Hey everybody, my name is Alex at generalguybill.com. Welcome to the 18th episode of the Hard Dance Producer Network podcast. My guest today is Marcus from Tone2. He's the founder of the software company Tone2 and he's also the developer of all their products. For sure, everybody who's making hardcore is familiar with the Tone2 Filter Bank 3. This is a legendary filter and distortion plugin which probably everybody who ever made a hardcore kick at one point or another tried out or used or at least have seen somebody else using it. Nonetheless, Marcus got a lot of other different products and each of them is damn unique and amazingly sounding. I can vouch for that. I'm deeply impressed with all the shit he's doing. We are touching on a lot of different points in this conversation. Luckily, you know, he's a developer. He knows more about computers than the regular producer knows. And therefore, we also touch on the classic debate, Mac versus PC. What are the difference between VST and audio units? Difference between VST2 and VST3? And we talk about a lot of different other things. Definitely make sure you stay tuned, you check it out. This was an amazing episode. I'm very happy that we could manage to do it and therefore I'm very happy to share it with you for free. If you watch it now on YouTube, don't forget that podcast is also available on all the common podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast and wherever. So Definitely make sure you check it out. It's always easier to listen to shit while you're driving, while you're in the gym, while you're doing other shit. So definitely if you consume your podcast on an audio site, make sure you check it out on your preferred podcast service. And if you're there, don't forget to leave a review. It's highly appreciated. It will bring the podcast in front of more people and therefore it will be easier to get amazing guests like Marcus on that podcast. Without further ado, welcome Marcus. You're listening to the Hard Dance Producer Network, the number one producer podcast for the harder styles. Hosted by General Geibel. All right, so I'm talking to Marcus from Tone 2. Uh, Hi, welcome. <laughs> plugin developer, producer, sound designer. Um, give us a brief history. How did you get into music production and also in software development? Well, uh, it started uh, in the mid-80s when I was still uh, well uh, around uh, 13 years old. Um, well, I was very proud of, of um, owning a PC and we started playing games. And since we were interested in playing games, uh, we were also interested in uh, how these games were done. And uh, so we started uh, coding games, simple games. And uh, well, I've been focusing more and more into the, the development of the audio side of these games. And at the same time, I started uh, to, to create music with, uh, with trackers. So the first tracker I had was uh, Tetra Composer and Scream Tracker. And uh, later I continued with Impulse Tracker and I also began to, to write my own software for creating music, and this was Trackers. Uh, one, one, one project I had, this was a sound generator, and another one was uh, called All Sound Tracker. And All Sound Tracker was uh, create, made for the Sound Blaster cards. There was a Sound Blaster card, which was called AVE32, and it had an EMU 8000 chipset. So they had taken the, the chipset from those EMU samplers 
and had stuffed it into a sound card. And we began uh, reverse engineering these, these chip chipsets, how they worked, and began programming on them. And uh, here I began to, to start music, create trackers, and get more into the, the stuff. Into it. And at the same time, we had uh, some kind of, I would call it uh, ambient jazz band. And we were playing uh, live music, <laughs> sitting down, relaxing. It was very, a very cool time. And at those time, uh, well, uh, the YST uh, format became popular. Popular. It was uh, the end of the 90s. Uh, YST was still very new. And I thought, why, why don't you try to, to write your own YST plugin? It would be uh, interesting to, to use it in, in the context of a jam session with your, with your band. And on the other side, I had some kind of... Uh, dance, trance, uh, electronic project with another friend running uh, where we were writing those modules. So, you know, those mod files and S3M files. Mm -hmm. And here I was very active in creating samples. And at this, those time, the, there was not, not much good sample content. So we began to program our own samples. It was uh, with Paul and Pascal and Assembler. And we began to, to create those algorithmically. So you had to program your first oscillators. And this is where I, I began to, to get into the DSP stuff. So this was all during the 90s, the early 90s and the later 90s. And, uh, well, while steep programming, this was something I started with, uh, I think it was 2001 or 2000, where I started to first free, uh, freeware plugins and uh, I was a, well, a fan of uh, those Hoover sounds from the Roland Alpha unit I think you you can uh, remember this from many of my patches yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> and those Alpha Uno sounds I was very very curious how this Alpha Uno worked and uh, I began to to rebuild that sound and this in fact it's very very difficult to rebuild sound because uh, this sound is not only layering stuff, it's also related to the pulse width. There's some kind of uh, special pulse width modulation going on. And the phase relationship between the, uh, the oscillators has also uh, a significant uh, impact on the sound. So I've been spending hours on this to, to get the, the perfect Hoover sound. And I think uh, you remember I, I've... I've been always a little more to the, the harder dance and trance and hardcore scene because, uh, well, uh, this was something that was very popular during the 90s. Yeah. So there were on the one side the, the happy hardcore sounds like uh, Paul Estag, uh, one of my, my favorite uh, artists, or well, uh, all those rave parties we went on. And this is something that inspired me for, for those sounds. And I think you can still hear it in the products. This is uh, something that's, that it had huge influence on my life and my, my work. Yeah. And well, uh, 2001, I started with the first uh, Steep plugin, and there was a very nice feedback. So um, we tried to, to make a little money off it and sold it for, I think, uh, 29 euros. Uh, the first product was called. Uh, uh, Alpha Unox. <laughs> okay, so that was an Alpha Uno emulation, sort of. Yeah, so um, uh, and it was not released by VFX first. It was first released by a company called Dash Synthesis. 
And uh, because of this product, uh, Michael Klebs from ReFX uh, got attention on me and wrote to me and he said, hey, well, uh, I've, I'm, I'm very impressed by this plugins and the sound and uh, why don't you uh, join ReFX and we will uh, rework the plugin and release it. And then this product was uh, re-released as uh, ReFX Unox. Okay. <laughs> well, the result, uh, it was very popular and it was heavily pirated. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, the result was also that it became very popular and Roland uh, became attention on it. They were the creators of the original Ronald Alpha Unox. And then they sent uh, Mike uh, some, uh, I don't know the right word in English, uh, some legal text that he must remove the product uh, from the market because uh, it's too similar in the look and feel and the name. Oh, really? So that and, was so close uh, that even Roland wanted to take it off. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as a result, um, uh, we've taken it off and re-released it as a VFX Vanguard. Uh, oh, I remember I that one. <laughs> so uh, Vanguard is, uh, uh, was a, a, a pimped Unox with yeah. a little more features and more stuff in it, but it had the same uh, oscillators and philosophy. Uh, well, and uh, then I wrote the audio engines for uh, several ReFX products. Uh, this was... Uh, Plastics, it was some uh, Casio CSET 101 emulation. Then Slayer, it was a, an e a electric guitar, a virtual yeah. electric guitar. I remember that one. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that was then I did the sounds for the ReFX Beast. I think it was Beast or it was Clono. I think it was Beast. There I did some, some sound design for it. Um, did you yeah. have anything to do with Nexus? Uh, no, I'm not related at all to Nexus. Uh, I have been a little related to, uh, I think it was, yeah, something that was released by Steinberg. Uh, uh, there, I, there I did, uh, there I did the filter, filter algorithms. Mm -hmm. uh, don't remember the names. <laughs> so, sorry, <laughs> it's too, too far away. And I also did the filters for the Überschall YLP and PLP series. Nice. Uh, this is this are other products that were uh, involved by me, and there was also I think uh, um, a Cakewalk version that did, did include the Tone Two B filter. Mm -hmm. uh, this was this was the stuff that was outside. And on the other hand, I, I've been uh, doing some uh, some DSP stuff for a company which is building uh, uh, those those. Transmission systems for the police and uh, the emergency uh, stuff, and there I did um, vocal processing and all that kind of stuff, and they licensed my stuff, and I did also some uh, uh, research work uh, for uh, for university. Mm -hmm. That's my 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 background. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm getting off from the topic. We were at oh, that. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's super interesting. <laughs> how, how did it work back then in 2001 when you made like your first plugin? How did you distribute it? Because uh, probably the download speed and stuff that wasn't like really big deal. So did you sell it still on CD back then, or 
Yeah, there, yeah. The, the distribution system in those days it was it was very diff- different uh, than today. Today you got uh, online downloads and yeah, a digital digital distribution. And in those days, uh, well, the internet already did exist. Well, it exists since the mid nineties. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And in two thousand one, we already had online shops, and in these online shops. Uh, we did use a, a company called Jarrett. It's from uh, from Köln, and I'm still using them. Very, <laughs> very happy with them. Mostly, <laughs> yeah. so I I did stay with them. And what they did offer is some kind of online shopping system where uh, someone can edit, uh, enter his credit card or or bank account information, and then you can purchase it. So the whole online shopping system was outsourced. It was impossible for myself to handle this because uh, we got customers from all around the world and different tax systems, yes. uh, different currencies. It's impossible to handle it for yourself. So this stuff is outsourced. It was always outsourced and it will stay outsourced because yeah. <laughs> I won't step into that. Otherwise, I could spend the whole day with uh, managing uh, the payments <laughs> from, yes. from, the, from the people. Uh, and they also take care of the writing of the bills and this stuff so I can yeah. focus on development uh, and, and, and doing music instead of uh, taking care of the bureau stuff. So basically and that this, system this already system worked already, back then. Like also oh, I say basically already back then you had a system like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it did exist, but in these days uh, not so many uh, people did, did go online shopping. So they were still uh, they didn't trust this kind of system yeah. completely because they were not used to it. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, there was uh, some some other um, effects. Um, well, there was not much music uh, software uh, available. So um, if people had to buy something, they had to buy it from you. So this did compensate in some way. Right. Makes sense. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, um, we before we started uh, the recording, you know, I've been telling you that uh, you know last week we had a short call, and after that I was, uh, you know, testing out some of your demos, and um, yeah, I downloaded the Icarus too, and I'm deeply impressed with that. And uh, you've been on the phone, you've been telling me that your presets got always the ending MF, which yeah. are your initials, and. Uh, on your presets, I can really hear a heavy, heavy hardcore influence, like uh, 90s hardcore. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about um, your history with hardcore, because this is the Hard Dance Producer podcast. So, you know, all the people listening are into hardcore, hardstyle and all that stuff. <laughs> so they're probably yeah, pretty happy that some, some developers like really into that music. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's from my from my from my background and and the, the time where I where I've grown up here in Germany and and in the mid nineties this was a very uh, popular genre and um, I for myself have been, have been uh, creating music with the trackers and you were limited with those trackers you yeah. had only a a, a, a very uh, low number of channels. And you had to be loud. (laughs) So, and there was always a a little uh, limitation with the volume of the samples that you had in those trackers. And in the end, you ended up with heavily distorting a bass drum or something like this. So, you know, all those bam, bam, 909 sounds. uh, And, well, I've been 
and and back in those days there were also huge rave parties and all that kind of stuff and yeah. uh, we were going out we were going to the union move and all that stuff and this had influence on me and and my music it was my passions i listened to this music for myself and i did create this music for myself and i did in the end i did create products first for myself but they they had still the look and feel of this music yeah this vibe yeah, absolutely. Like uh, on your presets, uh, definitely you can hear a big influence. Uh, when you started back then, what was your setup back then? That's interesting. What did you use in the 90s? Oh, okay. Did you start so start you making made... plugins because you didn't want to buy an Alpha Juno or did you had it and wanted just to have like the ease of having it in the plugin? Or how, you know, <laughs> what, was, what was the stuff you've been using back then? Yeah, well, um, in, in uh, well... <laughs> At, at first, uh, in the mid '90s, there were the sound blaster cards, so they were very popular. Yeah, I remember them. <laughs> yeah, they, they were able to play to, to play back samples, and they had the OPL3 chip, which is uh, an FM sy uh, synthesizer chip uh, created by Yamaha. And uh, after this, uh, I've been uh, uh, moving to the AVE32 sound card, which had the Emo8000 chipset. So this was already a prof professional sampler. And, uh, well, I always wanted to own an Alpha Uno, but I wasn't able to afford one. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to create this plugin. Uh, in the meanwhile, I own an Alpha Uno. <laughs> <laughs> so I did buy it in the end. Oh, finally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> finally. And, well, I created this, I, I, I say I created this plugin to have an Alpha Uno as a plugin. This, this, yeah. is, what I, this is what I wanted to have. I wanted to have this hardcore Hoover sounds. So yeah. uh, that's why I did create it. <laughs> what is your setup today? What are you using today for production? Uh, well, um, I'm using an RME Hammerfall sound card. It's a, it's a very good sound card and it has very low latency. latency. It's, it's really great. Uh, the only thing that's well uh, difficult with it is it's a... a a completely over-designed mixer. Well, if, when you open it, you got like 100 channel, channel strips and yeah. <laughs> you might got problem to, to handle this. <laughs> so, uh, but it's a really good sound card. And um, well, I'm, I'm using an uh, AMD Risen uh, processor because it's really powerful and uh, more cheap than the Intel i7 that I used uh, previously. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I really can recommend this uh, CPU to anyone. It's really great, and I'm using a, a, a casing which is uh, very silent and uh, with a graphic card that has no active cooling, so it's very silent in my studio. Yeah, and uh, this helps me to, to, to hear what I want to hear and not uh, the computer itself. The noise, yeah, <laughs> and uh, well, as a, as a computer screen, it's, this is a, a big LG screen with a 4K, although I can't recommend uh, to buy a 4K screen to anyone because those pixels really get tiny and stuff gets really small. So this is, for me, uh, for, for development and uh, or for doing graphics design, but um, I, I would not really recommend something that has 4K and which is a small screen. Do yeah. not buy this. <laughs> Instead of this, buy a, a large screen with, which has not so many pixels. Uh, Otherwise, you will end up with really tiny stuff that you can't see. Yeah, I'm gonna gonna sit in front of the monitor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 
and for the, the uh, and for the speakers, uh, these are uh, Yamaha. Uh, I think it's HS80 speakers. Yeah. Uh, this is some kind of uh, standard studio. Yeah. Speaker. I used to have yeah. them. Really good ones. That's, that's a mind stuff. I got also many other computers, uh, several Macs and then laptops and whatever. But uh, this is the computer where I, I make music and where I develop the stuff. The other yes. stuff is more, more bureau stuff. Do you, do you use um, any hardware for production, like synthesizers, compressors, whatever? Or is everything no, in a box? No, no. Everything because in a box. When, I, I, when I do a production, I do it this completely with, with, uh, within my computer. Yeah. Everything digital. Yeah. And uh, well, there's, there's no need for it. If if I if I need would need some kind of uh, hardware or, or module, I would I would program it for myself. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those are the benefits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, let's talk about one plugin which is heavily popular in our scene, but which haven't been updated for quite a while. It's Filter Bank Three. That used to be the go-to plugin in hardcore for making like the distorted kick drums. Uh, of course, like you know, Mac users moved on because there is no 64-bit and you know stuff like that. So, tell us a little bit about that amazing plugin. How yeah. how, how, how did <laughs> well, you came up? Let's make like a plugin with millions of filters. <laughs> like, what was the <laughs> idea behind it? Well, the first thing. Uh... Well, I, I think I, I should start with the beginning. Um, Filterbank itself was developed as a plugin for ReFX. So I wanted to release it uh, with ReFX, but Mike said, well, um, no, I'm not interested in it. So uh, if you want to release it, then you need to release it for yourself. But, uh, well, I don't see uh, some kind of serious market for it. Yeah. And there I had built the first prototype, which was already working. And this was uh, basically the, the beginning of, of Tone 2, because this what forced me to, uh, to found this company was uh, to release B-Filter and Filter Bank. Oh, as so that was the first, the, the first product from Tone 2? Yeah, it's one oh, of okay. the first products. Nice. It's, it's, it's really old. It, I think it was 2004 or five. Yeah. Uh, when, we, uh, when I first released it. And well, Filterbank itself uh, was uh, influenced by something that was a hardware product, which was also called Filterbank. Mm -hmm. uh, but this one didn't have a feedback section with a delay, and it was just uh, an effect. It was not uh, a synthesizer. Uh, well, I've been some kind of redesigning it, uh, enhanced it for myself, and ended up with Filterbank 3. And well, it was I don't know 2000. No, it was it was 2006 or seven when I released it. It's, it's yeah. already very old. And the reason why there is no 64-bit Mac version is is that those source codes are, are really old in these days. Yeah. And uh, it's not not uh, possible to update it easily because. Uh, Apple itself does not take care about the downward compatibility, and mm. I would have to rewrite the complete code for it. So it's it's oh, okay. it's some kind of economic decision that I have to to make at some point. 
So there are also no plans for maybe Filter Bank 4 or something like that, or like... Yeah, maybe Filter Bank 4, but uh, Filter Bank 3, uh, it's not possible to update it because... Yeah. I would have to rewrite it. Yeah, then of course, then you can make like filter bank more if you have to start from scratch yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the reason why I did uh, filter bank because I really love filters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, I think you, you 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 can easily see it if you open Icarus, for example, and you click those filter lists, yeah. and you get a huge section of filters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's and amazing. And they all sound a little different. And uh, well, I'm. That's that's some kind of passion for myself. Yeah. I, I love those filters and <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that, that 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 was one of the very amazing things when I tested it. Like the endless list of filters, which are which is in there, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not even the the, the complete list. Uh, in the end, I've I've, I've counted over three hundred filters that I developed. <laughs> <laughs> and this is just the best of sections of, of, okay. of those filters. Crazy. <laughs> What's inside there? That's crazy. So you you said uh, you are um, on 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 a Windows computer. What what yeah. is your stand on this whole Mac versus Windows debate? Because uh, between producers, it's a very popular topic. And mm. now we got somebody who's a developer, so you probably know a lot more about computers than the regular producer. Uh, Tell us a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one one thing that uh, I really dislike uh, about uh, the Mac is that uh, Apple does not take care about downward compatibility. So we had a, a complete system change when they have changed from the uh, sixty-eight thousand processors to the Intel, the mm -hmm. Intel thirty-two bit. Um, this would uh, this it's 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 a completely different machine. It's a completely different CPU. So the stuff from the old one had to be emulated, and I think they had uh, shipped something like Rosetta with it uh, to keep it compatible with. I think it was shipped with two OS X versions, and uh, after this they had dropped Rosetta, and people were not longer able to use the old uh, Mac software, which was still for the sixty-eight thousand. Yeah. After this, Mac uh, Apple introduced the 64-bit Mac, and there we had the same situation again: uh, deprecating software, deprecating hardware quickly, and all the, the the users were forced to switch to the 64-bit Mac. And the 32-bit Mac software did not longer work any longer yeah. uh, after two OS X uh, updates, where they had removed the, the emulation. For the download compatibility, and now they said, "Okay, we will go to ARM." And I've carefully uh, read the specification of this CPU, and I do say, if Apple would really have uh, been building a powerful one, they would have taken the AMD Risen CPU because it's much more powerful than what uh, the uh, how, how is the new uh, CPU called? I forgot about it. I got no idea. I just know they kind of come up with their own one now. It's, it's, it's Apple Silicon. Is, is that right? Could uh, be. Could be. I don't uh, know. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so this Risen CPU is much more powerful than what Apple builds. Um, the real reason why they include this CPU, in my opinion, is because they want to save money and because they, they got the whole production process in their own hands. So yep. they can build the CPU, the whole product from themselves. 
and they do not longer depend uh, from another company. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the word. That's uh, what yeah. the whole internet is about right now. They all say the same thing because uh, supposedly the new CPUs aren't supposed to be that good, you know. But um, yeah, it's just for them. Okay, we make them ourselves. We don't need to buy them anymore. Yeah, so, yeah. And there's there's another another thing that uh, well, that's not that I really dislike from the developer's perspective is that they're trying to push the, the Apple more and more into a closed platform. Yeah. Um, you, you, you've, you've seen that they've introduced those code signing and certificate stuff. Mm. And uh, well, they advertise that they're just doing this for the security of the user. But there's also some, some other reason behind of that. And the other reason is that they want to force the developers to sell uh, stuff through their own uh, Apple Store because they take uh, 30% fees from it. Yeah. So they earn money. And they made it very, very difficult uh, to to sign the stuff for third-party developers. So we are still able to sell stuff outside the Mac Store, but it's extremely difficult and it's a huge hassle. And they, I got the feeling they made it as complicated as possible. Yeah. So if you take a look at developer forums, you will be able to read pages where the developers discuss how this this works and how they have to set up things. So it's well, it it has a bad taste, uh, a bad feeling about it. And one thing that I uh, then one hundred percent sure that will happen is that like they got the new chipsets with those Macs now. So. They say, well, the old stuff still runs. We are uh, still download compatible because we got the emulation for the Intel. You just have to wait for two OS X releases, and then they will they will kick it, and yeah. you will not longer be able to use your old software. Yeah. And I think that's it's it's a big problem. It's no problem if you use popular stuff like uh, Adobe software or something like this, but it's a problem if you use expensive software from. Uh, like music software, which you want to use for a very long time, and mm. especially the audio scene, this this is a problem. This is a real problem. Yeah, yeah, I felt it big time when um, I made an upgrade on Catalina, and all of a sudden, like a lot of uh, like plugins from small developers, which I'm loving using, don't work anymore because. Uh, there's like some error which says it's kind of not an Apple certified thing. And the audio unit versions work, but the VST versions don't work anymore. So this is also pain in the ass, to be honest. Like, of course, yeah. like, you know, yeah. if you got like, you know, those big brands, of course, they're up to date, like um, native instruments or whatever. But I guess for a small mm-hmm. developer, it's a big pain in the ass. If they come up with a new operating, like new OS every year. You got to update all your plugins every year, mm-hmm. so yeah. Yeah, it's it's a big problem. It's it's really a big problem, especially well, it's it's for a big problem for all developers, not not only for the small ones. It's yeah. uh, they had to to spend a huge amount of work for keeping the stuff compatible, and they have to re-release updates. Well, uh, if you just take a, a look back in the in the Windows history, the plugin that I wrote in two thousand one, it still works. Without any problem in Windows 10. This is this is 19 years ago. Really? 19 years ago, it still works. <laughs> <laughs> my my Chrome, uh, like the regular Chrome browser, doesn't work on my old MacBook from 2013 anymore. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's already outdated. Yeah. Can't re- can't can't even open um, 
YouTube anymore on, on my old Mac, you know. So yeah, it's it's a big problem actually. That's that's true. Yeah, um, I did not fall. So uh, I've, I've I had a couple of friends who said, uh, well, I've been using uh, I've been using a Reaper on uh, on the Mac so far, and now I switched to the PC version. It's it's exactly the same. Yeah. And I quickly got into the the workflow. Yeah. And Windows 10 is is really a, a great operating system. I, there's some stuff that I really dislike about it because uh, those privacy stuff that you have to set up manually. Uh, this, this is something that I, I dislike, that they collect so many info. Uh, but uh, I just installed Firefox and deactivated Cortana. And well, I'm, I'm fine with it. No problem. It's a very stable operating system, and it makes works, it works great for the audio stuff. No, no problems at all so far. That's great to hear, because like yeah. we talked last time on the phone, um, I was also like really considering that uh, from like the next computer purchase, um, after a long time, I will go back to Windows because yeah, I'm also not really happy with like, especially like I said, every two years a new operating system comes. And if you're not staying up to date, your browser doesn't work, nothing works anymore. But if you up upgrade, uh, your computer needs like five hours to boot, you know, so... Uh, you kind of forced to buy a new computer every two yeah. to three years. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, this, this is intentional. This is something intentional. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not surprised. Um, let's talk about plugins, because now that we're talking, and I got a developer here. What are the differences between VST and Audio Unit? Well, <laughs> there is no real difference. Um, from the technical side, it's 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 pretty the same. Uh, what happens in practice is that the developers they develop a YST plugin. This is the the lead platform, and then they use adapters or wrappers to create the audio unit. So this is some kind of additional layer that's around the YST plugin, and that's why I always tell people uh, when they ask me which version they should use, uh, they should use the YST version because it's the the native one. It's the one that has a little less CPU because there is not the additional uh, layer around it. And it's always the same, uh, the one that has a little more stability. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, what I answer to the customers. From the developer's perspective, it's, uh, I, th I think, Apple's approach to have an, an own thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, but but they, it's 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 not really essential. They, they, they like sense. to own the shit. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they want, yeah, they want to own everything. They yeah. that, okay. And that's the reason why they, they, they bought the developers of Logic. Yes. Yeah. Logic was, was uh, at the beginning, it was cross-platform. It was Apple and, uh, yeah. and, and PC. And after they had bought it, it was Apple only. <laughs> and yeah. people who did use it, they were forced to stay with the Mac. Yeah. Yeah, it was same happened also with um, Camel Audio. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Like um, the was Camel Fat, the distortion plugin, and also Alchemy, been very popular things. Apple bought them; they disappeared, and like yeah, two years or three years later, they appeared in Logic. But yeah, it's um, kind of a yeah. pain in the ass, you know. <laughs> I, I think Bastian uh, uh, he doesn't work with uh, for Tom Two anymore. I think he, he said, I think it was uh, in the mid-2000s to me that 
Apple also had contacted us uh, for, for buying us. Oh, really? But I, that I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I would stay independent, no. <laughs> I think they, they had contacted uh, also more companies. So it you, was not only you should have you should have sold and then like you know make a new company and you know because if they if they're just buying what you already got, yeah, take it. You know, come up with new shit anyway. But now <laughs> you would have like three houses and Ibiza, you know, <laughs> and be good for the rest of your life. Yeah, but uh, well. I, I, <laughs> That money isn't everything in the life. So there's also other that, stuff like family. You're you're doing the stuff that you want, uh, doing music, your passion, your free yeah. time, your friends. So yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely a lot more than money. That's true. Yeah. Um, what are the differences between VST two and VST three? I never got that. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's also a difficult topic. Uh, Steinberg itself, uh, they had advertised a lot in the YST3 uh, format that it's a huge step forward. Uh, I say it's uh, a redesign of the, a complete redesign of the of the plugin format, but uh, it was not well done. This is the well the common. Uh, the common stuff that the developers say, and I also say it's that way. Uh, basically, YST3 and YST2, it's the same. Yeah. Uh, YST3 even had some big disadvantages, like the lack of MIDI control. And uh, it was very, very difficult to program because uh, concept-wise, they had developed it as a plugin format where you can run so the audio rendering on one computer and the interface on a completely different computer. But in practice, no one needs that. But it made the programming very, very complicated for the, the programmers. And that's why it was very, very unpopular uh, uh, between the developers. And that's why it never succeeded, really. So I made a, a, a poll last month or two months ago, which plugin format uh, that people would prefer. and Still, uh, the majority said they prefer VST2. Okay. So, and so you're saying they, if they, I they, had the ch choice between like VST2 and VST3 for the same plugin, better go with VST2? Well, it, it depends what the, the native uh, the native platform is. So, a plugin which is natively developed as a VST2 plugin. You, will, you should stick with the YST2 plugin. And I also recommend to uh, YST2 for synthesizer plugins because mm -hmm. of the MIDI stuff. You, you, you will have problems or you might run into problems with the MIDI stuff when you use YST3 because there are no MIDI channels and messages. They are filtered out. There is no MIDI channel. Okay. And that's, that can be a problem, especially when you uh, do something like uh, polyphonic uh, MPE stuff. Yeah. So, uh, uh, the, the Roly keyboards, the MPE, MPE stuff from the Roly keyboards. I don't have the, the, the correct term in, in mind now. This can be a problem, and it's also a problem when you use something like MIDI Learn in the plugins. So, if you use synthesizers, uh, mostly YST2 is the better choice. Yeah. If you use the effects, you can uh, use YST3. 
because for effect plugins, it has some advantages advantages if you use something like cycle chaining. Yeah. But it's but mainly it's the same. It doesn't matter what, what kind of uh, format you use. Is there is there a way to find out in which format they've been originally programmed? Well, you got to ask the developer. Okay, so <laughs> there's there's no way for one himself at home to say like, okay, I got like, uh, yeah, some plugin which is available as VST2 and 3, and I can't, for myself at home, I can't find out what was the original and what is just like a wrapped version. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically, you know, or many developers use um, wrapper software. Yeah, and uh, the most popular one, uh, low ones, are uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> forgot the name. Okay. <laughs> Talking okay. for too long. I, I need a little little break now, so my brain is getting weak. Okay, break is over. Yeah. Um, yeah, so basically we figured out if we're talking about instruments, you're better off going with VST2 uh, with effects. There is not too much of a difference. That's No, there's no real difference. And it's, yeah. uh, for the end user, it's not really important which one you, you choose. So okay. just use the one you like. Yeah. And, uh, well, for synthesizers, mostly the VST2 version is, is the better choice. Yeah, but, but the most are... Like the most that I got are already only VST two, so yeah, like, like yeah, it's, like it's the a more popular format. Yeah, even even like the whole native instrument stuff is only yeah. VST two. So well, uh, well, let's talk about your synthesizers a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah, like I said, I demoed Icarus two very heavily, and then like uh, I think on Sunday I also downloaded Gladiator and a couple of others, and I'm um, also been demoing them. And I'm pretty, pretty heavily impressed with the overall sound. And um, one thing that I didn't test was the Nemesis. But on <laughs> your website, you're saying it has something called Neo FM. Yes. <laughs> what is Neo FM? And what is the difference between that and what we know as FM synthesis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Uh... The first uh, popular FM synthesizer was the DX7 released by Yamaha. And this one um, has been using scene waves for creating sounds. So you had to the ability to FM. Well, it's not correctly. It's phase modulation, what they did from the technical side. You were able to modulate those scene oscillators. And uh, the DX7 itself uh, from the technical side, it's not an FM synth, it's phase modulation. So what they do is not to modulate the, the frequency of the oscillator. What they modulate is the offset of the phase of the of, uh, oscillator. Just imagine a scene wave, and what they do is to move the scene wave forwards and backwards. Wow, I didn't know that. Because <laughs> it was yeah. always sold as the classical, classic, number one FM synth. And didn't know that it's yeah. not really FM. There's, yeah, there's something. Uh, while I might have called it FM, when you take a look, uh, look at the scene wave and a co-scene wave, which is a scene wave shifted by 90 degrees, yeah. they are identical. So in the end, for the DX7, it that did not matter if you were phase modulating the scene 
or if you were frequency modulating the cosine. So it, the result was the same. But in this in this point, they, they had chosen maybe for marketing reasons that it's an FM synth. Because maybe people didn't know FM from, from the radios, uh, from the radio transmission, it was a common right. term. Right. This, this might be the reason why, why they yeah. have chosen this naming. And the later F, FM synthesizers, they were all doing phase modulation. So if you uh, have been using a, a rectangular wave as a carrier wave and have been moving around this wave or phase modulating it, you were jumping very quickly from one edge to the other, which could result in a very sharp and metallic sound with lots of aliasing. Right. And that's why, uh, well, many FM sounds were perceived as not very uh, harmonic, very disharmonic, metallic. Right. This is this aliasing is, is the metallic sound that's known for the FM. So it's the metallic sound from phase yeah. modulation. Yeah. And... Uh, I've been examining this, and when I tried around, I've been noticing that uh, you get a much smoother sound if you uh, filter the modulator wave. So when you have a very smooth modulator wave, this uh, metallic sound disappears. And I've been further experimenting it, and in the end, I've been ending up with doing real FM between the, uh, the modulator and the uh, and the carrier wave. And this is why Nemesis, Nemesis has a much more creamy and, and silky sound. Uh, you were able to, to hear in Nemesis also the real FM, and also the phase modulation, if you switch it to PM, then you get the original, non-original <laughs> FM I, I sound. I see, I see. So, so you can basically Neo-FM is real FM. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, is this that also true for the other FM synths, like FM8? Yeah. And, yeah, it's also yeah. all phase modulation. They all do phase modulation. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure that 90% of them do phase modulation. Of yeah. course, yeah, of course. I mean, like, you know, we are also conditioned since, like, you know, 20 years that this is the sound of FM. Yeah. <laughs> and probably everybody is jumping on that hype train and it's like, okay, yeah, we got to make another FM synth, which is not real FM synth. No. So, so why did, did you call it, why, why, why did you call it Neo FM and not real FM? Uh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, there's definitely, you should definitely market that much better because probably nobody knows that shit. So now I, I also think got it's in the, in the, on the website. Uh, no, I've been reading. I, I, I kind of didn't. I just got like the idea that it's a different type of FM, which sounds better somehow or smoother. Uh, I think that's what I read from the website, but I yeah, wasn't this, really. This is what I explained to the customer. If, yeah. But but you you you've got uh, to take into account uh, that most customers do not have the the technical background. That's true. For this, they they, they read this and this is they just read real real technical stuff. Yeah. And, they will click it away. So <coughs> makes sense. I, I try to keep it simple. <laughs> makes sense. But this is super interesting. So I definitely gonna demo that one too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you can switch between uh, between it if you choose FM and PM. You can yeah. hear the difference. Yeah. Directly. Yeah. Interesting. Super interesting. 
What, what about Gladiator? Because on your website it says it has something like HCM synthesis. Yeah. What is that? Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's harmonic content morphing. So uh, this is also uh, something that I initially wanted to release with ReFX, and Mike was the opinion, well, this doesn't sell. Uh, this, this, I don't like the sound, so I won't do a product with you about this. And uh, the first one was Firebird, and uh, Gladiator was some pimped version of Firebird. Yeah. And HCM basically uh, is uh, a spectrum. You can see a display with a spectrum, and the darker points are more loud harmonics. So mm -hmm. when you got those dark points, there's uh, a loud harmonic, and you can see uh, the spectrum from the left to the right, and the left is the time, uh, so left to the right is the time, mm -hmm. and from top to the bottom is the frequency, the harmonics. And then you can morph between those harmonics. And you got modifiers where you can uh, squeeze the spectrum or change the spectrum or add dirt to the spectrum. And this is how it works. So basically it's, uh, you, you can imagine it as some kind of additive approach, um, but it, you can also manipulate the face of, of those spectra. So it's not purely additive, it's some kind of hybrid stuff. Interesting. It's also a very popular synth. I think like a lot of uh, movie guys using that one, right? Yeah, and I think it was Skrillex. He's also been uh, using it in many productions. Yeah. yeah. And uh, well, it's it's very uh, very popular among yeah movie movie guys and and producers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I definitely, I, I believe, I heard some where some interview with some big shot movie composers talking about that one, but a uh, long time ago, but definitely remember that. Uh, uh, yeah, you can do really uh, uh, weird and interesting sounds with this, especially for uh, atmospheric stuff, because you can smoothly morph. And, uh, There's also a shit ton of presets with that already. It's also pretty yeah, amazing. <laughs> lots of presets, yeah. Yeah, but also really good ones. I stepped through them a bit, and um, really good, really, really good stuff. Yeah, we we tried to do add every synthesizer with a very interesting set of sounds, yeah. uh, because I think that a product sells with its with its content. And yeah. uh, well, you can build a great synthesizer, but if you don't ship good content with it, people don't can't hear and, and, and feel what it really really can do, you really should demonstrate what, what yeah, is possible. I, I always had the impression that's the main key factor for um, a synthesizer to be very popular or successful, if you will. I always had the feeling um, there are some which are really overhyped, which aren't yeah. that great, and there are some which are just amazing, which nobody knows. And I always had the feeling the more uh, sound designers jump on one synth, the more content is available overall on the internet, you know, uh, the more popular synth get, you know. So there are a couple of them. There are millions of presets for sale, for free, whatever. And those are very popular compared to those where... Yeah, there's, uh, well, there's uh, also one, one point that has influence on this. This is heresy. So if you take a look which uh, products are 
great and popular in, 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 in the internet. This is always the ones that are heavily pirated. Yeah. And those, those synths, they also get uh, lots of sound design because anyone uses it. Yes. And if you take a look at other synthesizers that have a strict protection, like uh, dongles or something less, you won't hear so much about them because, well, they, they are known among the, the professionals uh, and the well-known producers, but they're not uh, known around those uh, people who just use or make music for their hobby. Right. So. Yeah, that also makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there are a couple of them. Definitely, there are a couple. Um, which people use up until a certain version number because from there they got very serious about the protection and if you talk to somebody who's like using an old version of this and that you know okay you didn't buy it (laughs) 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 i had um i had this thing uh with um i can call it how it is whatever uh i made a sound set for silent one which is also like extremely pirated and um, a lot of people have been buying my sound set and reaching out to me. It's like, oh, it doesn't work. You know? and it's like, it's written very big, which version number you need. And uh, they could, they all had an old one. You know? And I've been always writing them, dude, because they do like this rent to own thing, which I think is brilliant. You know, you pay 10 euro a month until you paid it off. And I was always, dude, come on. It's like a good, good one. Like, you know, just, just get it, whatever. Like, come on. It's like, Especially if you can't buy, uh, pay 10 euro per month. So probably I brought them some sales with that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I always like, um, yeah, there are there are definitely a lot of them, especially like when you see they got like a very old version and there is no point to have it unless you didn't buy it. Because if you buy it, you just make the update because usually it's free. Yeah. So, uh, well, uh, in, the, in the meanwhile, uh, I think piracy has been uh, getting much better. Yeah. Because people have been, or our customers have been getting older. They, they are more adult now. And right. they just buy the stuff because they can afford it. I yeah. think uh, back in the early 2000s, there were many young people using the software and they weren't able to afford it. So I think it's everything is fine now. Uh, but, but I also believe there is also mindset, mind, mindset switch or shift in, in uh, a lot of people. Because I remember like when this whole internet thing came up and like really, you know, everybody had access. It was a fucking wild, wild west, you know, like yeah. a, a lot of people, they didn't have any idea that they have to pay for music or for software or whatever. Like a lot of people had that mindset, like we are in the wild west and we do whatever we want. So uh, I definitely see that uh, having been improved a lot. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Because, uh, well, me, the people in the meanwhile, they, they are used to, uh, well, pay for downloads. They, they download music and uh, they use streaming. Uh, yeah. So it's, you're right. It's, it has changed. There has been a change in mind. And I think it's, it's also a change in how music, uh, the whole music industry works. So, uh, back in those days, uh, CDs were sold and records were sold. And then there was a time where they did heavy, heavily pirate the music uh, with uh, Emule and, and those yes. software. And in the meanwhile, uh, people, they pay for the music again. And the artists, they, they earn money again. Yes, they, yes. They're, they're able to make a living again. And I'm, I'm glad that uh, in the end, the, the music industry did... Well, they did... 
No, they're, they're doing much better now. There's like the report from the RIAA, the last year's report. That was the first time after I think mid-2000s where the sales went up. Because yeah. from there, the sales went down every year. Like the, the revenue in the uh, whole rec record business went down every year. And uh, to, last year was the first year where the revenue went up thanks to streaming and shit. Because, you know, yeah. when downloading was a topic, like, yeah, 99 cents for a download, but people have been just downloading it like that. Now, mm -hmm. like, nobody wants to download shit. They just want to listen to that. And, like, yeah, Spotify and shit like that, it's very handy. Yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, I think it's a good thing. It's a good development. And yeah, really. There's also a different mindset because... I definitely remember those times like in the early 2000s where like everybody thought, me included, that like what, what paying for, you know, it's the internet, you know, but um, uh, now I, I, I like the most people I talk to, everybody is buying like his software, his samples and whatever they're using and also it's there are a lot of people, but still very rarely I get to meet those people who like work on pirated uh sequencers or uh, plugins and stuff so this this is a good development it wasn't like that 15 years ago no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway um let's talk a little bit about your sins because uh when i went through the homepage and i went through the individual products it seemed like Except of, I think, uh, was it Soros? The, ply the one, one synthesizer is just a classical analog one. Uh, but it seemed like every other one was kind of unique. There was something like, uh, I don't remember, was it... Impulse? I think you mean Ray Blaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, there, there was one analog, but the other ones had like some weird, unique synthesis stuff. And like everything was like very... It wasn't like the standard, another one copy of this and that, another emulation. It was like every everyone, like, you know, you got like the HCM synthesis, you got the NeoFM and stuff. How do you come up with that? Like, I mean, like you wake up and you say, okay, let me invent like a new way of synthesis or like, you know, how, how, how's that working? Yeah. Well, uh, of course, when I program stuff, I sometimes uh, experiment with, with the algorithms and... Uh, Ray Blaster is the result of Soros. <laughs> I, I did create an, an analog emulation for Soros uh, where I precisely modulated the, the oscillators and those impulses that they took. And then I, I did some experiments and try out, well, how does it sound if you take just another sample instead of a pulse and sort of pulse? And this is how Ray Blaster did well, the, what, what the original idea was behind it and I did experiment it and when you experiment with something you try other stuff and then a whole product grows up from this okay and this is how I did uh, begin with it this is uh, some some interesting um, some interesting uh, idea that I accidentally found during the development of, of another product and well, Nemesis, this is something I created because I did like uh, the AFM synthesis, um, especially of the OPL3 chipset from the sample of the cards. And there I also did experiment and ended up with the Neo AFM. And this is how Nemesis uh, did develop. And uh, well, Gladiator and Firebirds, they were the 
also the result of experiments. So those products, there are the result of lots of experimentation so, yeah. and prototyping. Uh, I think it's six synthesizers that are got for sale now, but I've built around uh, 20 or 30 product, uh, prototypes, but they didn't uh, end up in a, in, in a product because I said, well, it doesn't sound good enough or it's not interesting or the CPU is too high for it. It's not able and possible with today's computer. Yeah. So that's, it's, it's the, the result of experimenting for uh, since the mid-90s. Yeah, I see. <laughs> so basically this is also like how often for many people music production works. You start somewhere and then you find like something cool and you build up on that. And if you don't find yeah. something cool, you just trash it and start again. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> That's <Same> cool. <laughs> um, just just uh, for, for the people, just for the understanding of uh, the amount of work which goes into something like that, like how long does it take? Like, let's say like Icarus. How, how long did it take from the initial idea until it was ready to go and you could uh, put it out to the world to enjoy it? Yeah. Well, uh, I think you, you, you can't really separate the development of a, of a, of a product um, because you've also developed other products in the past. For example, you already got an LFO, which is a complete module. So you don't have to re reinvent the wheel again right. for everything. So you can partially uh, reuse stuff. But when I do stuff, I, uh, I always keep an eye on it that I don't do too much overlap or similarity between the products because yeah. it's, it doesn't work. So I really want to do something new for the customers and not to, uh, just do a rehash of, of the same. But you can reuse some stuff of it. Of course, if you have like a cool filter, you probably bring it in in, in your synth, right? If you yeah, usually I take the cool filter and then rework and enhance ah, it, and then put it in the new product. This is this is how it works. So yeah. they, I continuously uh, enhance the stuff over the versions and the updates. Yeah, and I regularly try to rotate the update cycle of those products so everyone uh, gets a, a, an update once once yeah. a while. Yeah, this is this is uh, well. Uh, for coming back to the question, so the development time of Icarus is around three years. So this is what I would say. Uh, we've spent around half a year just for doing uh, sound design yeah. and beta testing. So this is we, we already we also do beta test and sound design at the same time, because yeah. during sound design you find a lot of bugs and yes. and stuff. Yeah. And um, I'm. Uh, I really hate to do support, <laughs> and that's yeah. why I try to to keep the products very stable and easy to use. So not many customers have to contact it, contact us that something goes wrong. This uh, this is good for myself, <laughs> for my health, and yeah. it's also good for the health of the customers right. and uh, for <laughs> for the company. So <laughs> for the health of the customers. <laughs> uh, yeah. So a, one, a half a year of sound design, uh, then the rest development and uh, doing graphics and reworking again and yeah. reworking the reworked stuff again, and then you end up with the final product. Oh, that's crazy! That's crazy. How much? How much um, time? Like, is, is, is it a lot of work to keep everything up to date and keep everything running? It's probably the most work, right? 
Like, I mean, when, once you got like your, all your sins, but like, you know, keep them up to date and like be up to date yourself, what's going on with the Mac platform and stuff. And yeah. it's probably a lot of work, right? Yeah, I've, I've spent a lot of work, I've done a lot of work during the last years. And, uh, yeah. well, I've already come uh, to a situation where I've been hurting my health by it because yeah. it's, it's too much. Uh, it's, it's, uh, well, we are three people in the company. So my wife helps with the bureau, uh, Trails helps with the support and the sound design. And I'm doing sound design development, websites, graphics, products. So yeah. it's, it's all too much. And I had too to, much for one person. Yeah, I needed to find a work-life balance. Yeah. So you found it? Yeah, I think I found it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. What 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 you doing? You you working out or you no know, walking the dog or what 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 else? <laughs> well, I, I got I got a dog. I can show it to you. It's uh, here, here's the dog. <laughs> oh, let me show you mine. This is this is mine. Oh, <laughs> Wolfgang. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Is something. Uh, I do is take the dog for a walk, uh, yeah. and you're never alone because uh, when you, I'm, I'm I'm a bit uh, isolated. I'm, I'm sitting here in my in my studio in front of my computer, and maybe I, I do a phone call with Trolls or, or something like this. Uh, but uh, well, this is something that was not healthy for me to be so much alone on the work, yeah. and uh, well, I'm. In my free time, I do uh, build uh, uh, trains, uh, so hobby trains, that kind of stuff. I got nice, uh, like like the model trains. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I do in my free time because it's something really difficult. I want yeah. to do something with my hands uh, and, and not do something with my brain. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Why it relaxes me. And then I've been uh, playing laser tech in in a, nice. in a group. It was also a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, in the winter, I go skiing. Or uh, what I also like is to uh, to uh, to screw my car. <laughs> so yeah. I, I repair old cars <laughs> in my free time. You're, you're in Bavaria like. somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. It's I'm south of, of Munich. Okay. So you know the Oktoberfest, which is yeah. not. I, I've uh, been I've been close to that in in, in a couple of months ago. I've been in Garmisch Partenkirchen. Is yeah, this is close to me, but uh, Garmisch Partenkirchen it's west. Uh, so we're in the east of Germany. Oh, okay, I see. South southeast of Germany, but um, there's uh, when you when you travel to the south, it's most likely you would go through Rosenheim. <laughs> this yeah. is where I'm located. Yeah, that's it's, it's, it's a nice place to live. Yeah. We got very uh, very. Good abilities for the free time here. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, we, my wife and I, we always go in the south in the mountains because here we got like the sea and everything, but the highest mountain is 50 meters, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we always like when we got uh, time, we always go in the south. So, <laughs> and the people from the south come here. Yeah. But, um, I think I think this is a very important and also very uh, big issues in this industry with uh, people like really burning out. Yeah. Um, in the beginning of this year, I also had like a huge burnout, like I uh, was in the bed for one month and also had to learn out of my mistakes and uh, 
get like a real life and some work life balance and shit so um, this is this is very dangerous and i can imagine on your end it's even more dangerous because you know you do the development and stuff but still music and sound design so uh, it's a lot of screen time i guess yeah yeah mm -hmm. that's true yeah and you got a family to feed so uh right. when you take your free time and you're self-employed you always had a bad feeling about it because exactly. you're lazy now so exactly yes yes if you don't work you don't make money mm -hmm. was, was uh, a big issue when uh, the whole pandemic thing hit um you know i lost uh, a lot of income when that hit and then you also you know that's where uh, i really got burned out because Yeah, you got a family to feed. You got to work twice as much to kind of make up for the losses, and um, that, that can really fuck up. And I talk a lot with uh, the DJs and stuff, and a lot of them like got serious depression and stuff because all of a sudden they don't make any money anymore. You know, and mm -hmm. they don't know what to do. Some of them got into DJing and doing that for a job like in their early 20s they didn't learn anything they can't any can't do anything been doing it for 10 years or something and all of a sudden they ha have nothing to do and they don't have any skills except of making music and DJing you know it's a yeah. big problem but i guess i guess for you this whole pandemic was not as bad right because i mean the software business yeah yeah Uh, it has. Uh, we, we sold more more products than we did before because uh, people were staying at home, yeah. uh, making music. Yeah. And well, in the meanwhile, you notice that stuff goes back to normal. Yeah. But uh, during April and May and and June, you you notice that people are at home there. <laughs> 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 been been making more music. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I really can't complain about it. Yeah. Uh, from the economic side, so the, we didn't have problems also because um, the structure of the structure of our company. So I got I'm always in the home office. Right. And Trust is also always in the home office, so we didn't have to change anything. Yeah. That's good. It's good. There are definitely a few people who get away really good or even mm -hmm. better. But uh, it's very sad to see how many people um, came out really bad with this whole mm -hmm. thing. But yeah, it's a different topic. Let's not go there. <laughs> um, what are the future plans for Tone 2? Are there any new products in the pipeline? What are you working on? Yeah, yeah. Um, people have been asking me uh, to... Uh, To release a new Firebird version, and uh, well, I've been digging into the YST3 SDK. <laughs> It was a huge pain in the ass. <laughs> so even for myself, which uh, I'm, I'm programming since 20 years now, yeah, this <laughs> is no, it's 25 years even. Yeah. And even for myself, it was it was really really painful experience, <laughs> very frustrating. Uh, but uh, the the result was that it was not possible to keep this thing downwards compatible yeah that's why i decided to to change the name because when people buy a new version of a product they expect that they can load their own projects I so see. what i did now is that i i can show it to you uh it's the first prototype is already running that's the interface it's still a prototype so yeah. just 
nothing that's finished. Uh, and during programming, I, of course, uh, had some new ideas <laughs> yeah. again. And this one will also have some new ideas. And one thing I wanted to have, or people have been asking for, is to have to uh, the, the oscillators of Icarus, those superstore and hyperstore sounds within yeah. this uh, plugin. And this is something that I implemented. Nice. And I've been also extending it. Now you're able to stack several chords and do, do stack, stack oscillators very easily. So when you press a single key, you automatically uh, get a, a complete chord. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but the sound card is uh, just freaking out. Let's see. So it just can play uh, like a hypersaw. Or you're able to do complete chords, very simple. No, just press a single key. And one thing here is uh, that I've uh, taken care of the microtuning of the chords. So you can create a completely clean chord from it. Or a normal key tune one. That's so cool. So this is one feature that's inside there. And uh, another feature will be that you can just press a single button and create interesting sounds with it. You just hit the random oh, button. Oh, it's just a random? Yeah. No, yeah. it's not really random. It's uh, intelligent random. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so if you press something like this, you frequently get interesting stuff out of it. And I've already uh, ported the old uh, Fireberg sound banks to it, so you mm -hmm. can uh, reuse those patches again. I think this is one of the... And I also um, have taken the best of the best filters from Icarus and yeah. uh, reworked them and ported them into this sense. So you got those uh, analog and other style filters inside there. And well, added a, uh, or completely reworked the effect section and rewrote uh, some of the effects for it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're able to change the size of the, the GUI now. Nice. And it's, it's, it's something that's really, really uh, easy to use because it has only a few controls. And every control uh, immediately gives acoustic resource what you're doing. It's, yeah. it's very easy to learn. So um, the, the synth itself, it will sell, I think I will sell it for uh, 59 euros. Mm -hmm. It will be very cheap because I also uh, want to make it attractive for beginners. Yeah. Uh, but it will also ship with over 1,000 sounds because all those uh, Firebird sounds will be included to it. Mm -hmm. And of course, new sounds, because I will do sound design again for it because this is my passion. I really like that. 
Well, if you if you need for more sounds, hit me up. Um, yes, of course. <laughs> I, would, I would definitely like to add some factory sounds to it. Yeah, sure. How how far advanced are you in the uh, development stage of that one? Well, uh, this is already a working uh, prototype. Mm -hmm. uh, most stuff is working. Um, I'm still not sure if I will uh, also include uh, FM synthesizers or, or, or ring modulation. I, I will have to experiment how well yeah. it fits with the other stuff. And oh, that's already might... pretty advanced in the development. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's uh, well. I could release it next month, but I, I will take my time for it because I don't have to rush something out. It's uh, yeah. uh, because well, it doesn't. I don't. I don't need to sell something now quickly before uh, before Christmas because many many people they they release stuff before Christmas. They they, they still can sell stuff. I will just do it as long as I think that it will take for the development. Take my time for it, yeah. and then release uh, some 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 proper product. Yeah, and how, how's it gonna be called? You got a name already? I still don't know the name. I, I okay. can't tell you. So okay. we're still discussing. I also have to check out the the, the legal situation because you just can't pick uh, any name. Right. Then it happened the same as we had with Roland. <laughs> you have to remove the product from the market because of the yeah. name. Yeah, of course, of course. It has be it has to be well thought out the name. Yeah. Uh, of course. And how long have you been working on that now? Uh, well, uh, it's, uh, since the beginning of the year. Oh. And of course, there's the, 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 the complete development of Firebird also behind of yeah, that. Yeah, so of you can't strictly isolate this because they partially overlap. Uh, but I started at the beginning of the year. Wow, it must take so much uh, passion and dedication to make something like that. I can imagine like I would sit there from the beginning of the year and already like build up on the foundation of something. It's still like nine months in and it has, I, I think you have to have like a lot of passion for development. Yeah, I'm, I'm really a patient, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see. I see. <laughs> wow. Um, do you do you have any type of like uh, production advice? I mean, you've been producing for so long, and um, you know, here the listeners are. Yeah, we got everything from professionals to absolute beginners. Something you learned along the way, which you can advise to other producers. <laughs> <laughs> Please do not use too much compressors. <laughs> really, when when I started listening. Uh, to CDs in the 80s and, and the early 90s. All the stuff was properly mastered. There was no clipping. There was no no dirt, no noise. Uh, it was it was a great time. If you listen to the stuff today, it's heavily overcompressed and it really hurts my ears. So it, the music it it, com it gets completely damaged. Yeah. It's, it's 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 really a pity. It's so if anyone wants to listen to music in a loud way, he can just turn up the volume. So yeah. why don't you let the user choose how loud he wants to listen to the music? So please, please, dear producers, don't destroy your songs by using too much compression. <laughs> well, but you are aware that here we got like hardcore producers and stuff. So I mean, like the kicks they begin no, 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 dynamic range already. I'm producing. I'm referring to the stuff that's on the on the on the, the radio charts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. I know. Hardcore is something difficult. That's yeah. that's well. This it's 
it's a philosophy of hardcore to be loud. It's yeah. it's different, but yeah. I'm referring to those those EDM guys. I'm referring to those chart guys. Yeah. Please turn Every, it a little down. Everything over compressed and everything falls apart once it's in mono, right? That's the radio sound of today. Mm-hmm. By the way, one thing we didn't touch on: what, what program you're using for when you make music? What do you yeah. do? <laughs> um, <laughs> That's that's one problem that I have because I'm still using a uh, 64-bit of Orion, so I can I can show Orion. it to you. Uh, but it's something that's not longer developed. It's 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 I'm very sad about it because uh, as a dance and trance producer, this is something that I uh, that I really like because there is uh, not too much features in this in this host. It's it's really simple. It's fast. It's slim. And well, uh, I think Richard has has removed it because it was not economic to uh, to develop it. But it's really sad. And currently, I don't know. M- make your own now. <laughs> I no, mean, you no, can. I don't have the time to take it. No, I know. I was just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's a problem. I have to 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 look for something else. But I will keep it as as long as as yeah. possible. Yeah. So you also never tried other stuff out so yeah i tried other stuff but uh, well it didn't fit my workflow very well okay. but see. i'm coming from the tracker scene you know back in those days when you were still using trackers we were using the keyboard for entering yeah. the stuff very quick and efficient with this this yes. did also work very well but since my c plugins uh all those tracking well it, it doesn't work so well with YST plugins i see yeah and that's why I've been switching to Orion See. since quite a while. Well, then you have uh, some problem coming up on you, finding a new door, learning a new <laughs> workflow. It's going to be yeah. a bitch. <laughs> That's going to be a bitch. Uh, do you have also some business advice for the producers that are listening to something you learned in your long career? Yeah, well, um, um, be careful. Um, always make uh, proper contracts. Uh, don't don't trust to that was what people say to you. Mm. Always have it in a written form because, uh, well, yeah, there were negative experiences that my, some of my friends had made with this. So be careful with this. And always, uh, always tell them that they they should be open with those revenue that you get from from your from your tracks. So they they have to show you exactly what they sell did sell to who. So yeah. this must be transparent. This is yeah, something yeah. essential. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good advice. Really. If people say something that they don't want to sign, then they're lying. If they mm-hmm. say something that they mean, they're also going to put it on in paper and they're going to put mm. their signature to it. Really, really great tip. Any final words from you? Something to plug, something to say? I mean, needless to say, everybody who's listening, go now on tone2.com.com, is it right? Or, or <laughs> I think, I think. <laughs> and no, then, I won't advertise my, 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 my own company here now. <laughs> so every, everything uh, can, can uh, freely decide if he wants to uh, take a look at our products. 
Well, of course, I'm glad if you do, and if you support our small company by yeah. buying our products, this is this is great. This supports our company. This supports our sound designers, and this supports the artists uh, that that write uh, demo tracks for us. So, if you if you use it, buy it, and support it. Yeah, at least at least uh, people who listen, at least uh, get yourself a demo and try it out. Go through the presets. You will be amazed. I was. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Last, last time I, I've been uh, listening to some web radio streams mm -hmm. and they also did uh, read the, the names of some of our customers. And then I listened to the tracks and I realized that a lot of our products were used in those productions because I know the sounds that I did build. By the way, by the way, that's that's what I, what I meant. Like a lot of sounds I heard uh, in the Icarus, they sounded familiar. The question is, did the sound designers recreated the sounds from the tracks or did the tracks use the sounds from, from the synth, you know? Uh, yeah. but definitely, there have been a lot of sounds which definitely sounded very familiar to me. Um, so uh, I wouldn't so be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the most producers using, it's like those geeks, you know, like us, who sit there for hours and make a sound. Like the people who get shit done and actually make music, they use presets. They tweak the filter a little bit, the LFO and whatnot, but like the real producers, that's like a common misconception. People think like, yeah, like, you know, uh, yeah, those producers sit there and make the sounds. They use presets. They have Yeah, of course. They, they, they use the synth. They load some, 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 uh, some, some presets and then they got some inspiration and yes, then yeah. a track is created. So yeah. basically the, the presets itself, it's, it's the beginning of the inspiration. You, you can give the artist a hint what he can do with it. Okay. And well, it's, it's it's everything influences the the whole thing. You can't separate this uh, uh, track and say, "Well, this guy uh, did, is the producer. He did create the track." So yeah. there was also the guy who did uh, create the sound, and there was also the guy who did create the synthesizer. So yeah, yeah that's that's uh, that's that's one of the interesting things overall. Like you know, especially like uh, also this very sound design heavy music. Um, still like the great sound designers from particular genres are usually not really successful artists you know because they probably sit there making the sounds all the time while others just use them creatively you know i also know a lot of like from uh, dubstep guys which is also very sound design driven but they still go from a preset maybe throw a little bit of distortion tweak a little bit and make music well like the actual sound designers sit there for an hour, make like a wobble, then they sit for an hour, make another one, and they kind of never finish music. That's why a yeah. lot of the good sound designers are <laughs> terrible artists, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're right with this. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, man, um, this was super great, super awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time and speak to the Heart Dance community. Very, very great. Um, I definitely had a lot of fun talking to you. Yeah, thanks for the interview. <laughs> Thank so, you. Bye-bye. All right, boys and girls, this is it for this episode. If you want to learn more about Tone2, about Marcus, about the overall company, make sure you check out Tone2.com. It's Tone, T-O-N-E, the number 2, dot com.
And I can only highly encourage you to download the demos of all of their plugins and really test them to their heart. I can only say I'm very impressed by them. I'm not getting paid for saying this. I'm just saying it from my heart. Definitely make sure you check out the demos and definitely you see if that might be something for you or not. If you want to see or hear something else from a perspective of a plugin developer make sure you check out the episode number 12 with rob Poppin. up until then stay tuned next week we are back with another episode thank you very much for watching or listening and i see you next week bye bye